Welcome to All About Data on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jory Heckman. Thanks for joining me this week on All About Data, a conversation with chief data officers and the people who are making data work better in government. On today's episode, Federal Data and Evidence in Action. This is an excerpt of a panel I moderated at the Data Foundation's GovDataX Summit. Here to talk about it is Oliver Wise. He's the Chief Data Officer at the Commerce Department. But first, you'll hear from the Chief Data and AI Officer at the Department of the Air Force, Eileen Vadreen. I always begin by saying I have the honor to serve as the Chief Data and AI Officer for the Department of the Air Force, which today is a military department with two services, United States Air Force and United States Space Force. And it has been a journey. I like to tell folks I started my leadership journey as an enlisted soldier in the Air Force. And today I'm in the Department of the Air Force. But it's really about making data actionable from data to not just insights, but to really strategic decision-making at the speed of mission. And I think that's what we really focus on, empowering each and every airman and guardian, the capability to do that from tactical to strategic. All right, and Oliver, over to you. Yeah, thanks, Joy. Commerce is a very dynamic place when it comes to data, for sure, and just policy innovations. And there's a lot going on at Commerce. Just for those who don't know, Commerce is home to two of the crown jewels of the statistical system, the Bureau of Economic Analysis. Census Bureau, of course, is also at Commerce. And then we have NOAA, which is the largest publisher and collector of public data at our agency and perhaps even the world, where you put them all together, and I think we're the biggest collector and publisher of public data. So we have that going on, and there's a lot of forces in the world that I think are totally changing the nature of how the public expects to interact with that data. I think the emergence of mass market AI, which has caught the world by storm in the past year, you know, there's been a lot of conversations on how AI, how do we ensure that AI promotes human prosperity and not human extinction. There's like that conversation and Congress is having that one. And then the conversation of how do we use Gen AI within government to make it more effective and efficient. And the White House and certainly OMB is thinking hard about that. And I, you see that in the EO and the OMB memo that's out for public comment. But I think there's another conversation that we're having a lot, at least at Commerce within the data community, which is, I think we ought to expect that public expectations on how users interact with our data is totally going to change as a result of these technologies. And users are just going to expect that you can have a natural language interface and get back reliable, meaningful answers in the form of text and data visualization. And indeed, we've already seen innovations happening that were released within the past month or two to that effect. So we're spending, to answer your question, we're spending a lot of time, and we just kicked off a working group to consider this more formally, of how do we prepare our public data assets and publish those in ways so they're not just machine readable, that's the standard of the Evidence Act, the open, you know, Title II, I think it is, of the Evidence Act, but machine interpretable. So that crawlers, the data harvesters of these models and these applications can return those results back. So that's certainly top of mind. But commerce is also, it's about a $10 billion organization usually. Now it's about $120 billion. And that's due to the investment from the CHIPS Act, which is probably the most ambitious 
audacious economic program in a very long time. And so we're thinking a lot about how do we leverage data as an asset to do industrial policy right and make sure that we're making the right workforce investments, making the right investments in American companies that will grow jobs and tip the geopolitical scales on emerging technologies in America's favor. So that's a big one. There's a lot of investment from the infrastructure law and ARPA in promoting American metropolitan regions through EDA's programs and through connecting every American with broadband, which is the capstone of the B program being administered out of NTIA. So ensuring that we're using evidence to get those investments right and that we're creating a feedback loop at the outset of these programs is critical. Well, Oliver, I wanted to stay on a point you made about this shifting expectation from the public in terms of that public-facing data, uh, the things that commerce as a result is now delivering on in that working group that you mentioned. I'd really love to just go a little bit deeper on that public-facing, evolving customer experience lens of things here. Tell me a little bit more about what that working group's doing to deliver on that better data-centric experience. Yeah, so um, the group, uh, which is chaired by Sally Ann Keller, she's the chief scientist at, at the Census Bureau, and is being supported by my AI policy director, Victoria Howard. It's charged with two real technical tasks. One is to identify the requirements for publishing quote-unquote AI-ready data, or really machine-understandable or interpretable data. And that builds on a pilot we did at Census last year. Zach Whitman, who is the chief data officer at Census, led that. Now he's uh, at GSA in a similar role. So we want to describe what really are the requirements, and then two, what are best practices, or what are the data management capabilities needed to get there. So we're focusing, I think, internally on, you know, what does government have to do to realize this vision of a user experience where any user can use natural language interfaces to interact with our data? We're, so we're focusing on what we need to do, but I think there's a, you know, a broader conversation that needs to be had of what does industry need to do on their end as well. But that's outside the purview of this working group. And Eileen, I'll broaden the scope of the question out a little bit more for you. In terms of data and you know improving the experience of those airmen, improving the experience of those guardians out there, what does it mean to use data to improve that experience over at the Department of the Air Force? So when we first stood up our organization, we built a cloud-based platform. We call it Vault. It's the first visible, accessible, understandable, linked, and trustworthy tenants of the DOD data strategy. And it was really to empower any airman or guardian in our ecosystem, the opportunity to leverage data to make. And today, we call that our emerging tech platform. And we do that because many of the capabilities we want are today's technologies now. And we don't do that alone. We have to do it with our industry partners. And so we partner with AFWorks, the innovation cell of the department, as well as our colleagues at the AI Accelerator at MIT, as well as other experts across our ecosystem, which I would also say includes our partners in the other military departments, Army and Navy, to really make sure that we're scaling out that capability. So just recently, last quarter, we brought in a small business tool through a SIBR 
initiative and we securely got that into our platform together in under 25 days. So that's today's technologies now. And so when we need to use that capability moving forward, if like, do I reinvest, do I invest more? I have a whole year's worth of data to say, is it the right tool? Is it the right capability? Uh, do I need to purchase more of it? So I can really make better decisions. So we're really trying to make sure that our data is not just available to a certain <coughs> organization in a certain functional area. Yeah, and you really hit the nail on the head there in terms of data sharing. I think one of the core functions of a CDO, uh, no matter what agency we're talking about, is that data sharing, removing those data silos across government. And when you think of large federated agencies, you know, I think commerce is pretty high up there. Oliver, in terms of that data sharing, knocking down some of those data silos and working with some of those great partners like the Census Bureau and NOAA, you know, what are some of the latest steps there? Department of Commerce, in terms of its data if you look at it bureau by bureau, has some of the most data mature teams, certainly in the government context, I think anywhere in the world. But in terms of connective tissue between those, those silos, we're really, I think, quite lacking and quite immature. We just finished, uh, or the final report of this group is in the final clearances, but we convened uh, the metrics working group that we called it, a working group out of our data governance board to look at how do we move forward our evaluation practices and data sharing to support those evaluation practices on our major above-based programs? And so we convened a group that included EDA, NOAA, MBDA, NTIA, and then also Census, and it was co-chaired by the Census Bureau, Barbara Downs, the evaluation officer there. And they intentionally looked at how do we leverage Census statistical assets and how do we share those assets with our program administering bureaus to promote better evidence-based policy. So that's one way we're trying to promote data sharing or a culture of data sharing. We're also about to kick off our FY25 to 28 data strategy, and we're in that data strategy intentionally leaning into five inherently cross-departmental topics. So American competitiveness in emerging technologies, that involves NTIA, NIST, CHIPS office, a bunch of others. Topic number two is place-based development. Number third is climate resilience. Number four is AI readiness. And number five is HR analytics. So in our strategy, we're deliberately leaning into those cross-departmental topics so that we can surface and make the business case for better processes, technologies, and norms around data sharing. That was Oliver Wise. He's the Chief Data Officer at the Commerce Department. You also heard from Eileen Fadrine. She's the Chief Data and AI Officer for the Department of the Air Force. We're going to take a short break, but we'll continue our conversation when we return. I'm Joey Heckman, and you're listening to All About Data on Federal News Network. Welcome back to All About Data. Let's return to our panel held at the Data Foundation's GovDataX Summit. You'll hear from Eileen Vadreen. She's the Chief Data and AI Officer at the Department of the Air Force. I go back to the grassroots when the very first DOD data strategy was written. It was written in collaboration across the military departments. Just this week, DOD published 
their new data analytics and AI strategy out of Dr. Martel's group. And now we're working as a community, now that there's a DOD strategy, you'll see the military departments publish their implementation plans, how to actively make that go from paper to real moving forward. And I think that we do this together every single day. When we look at our platforms, we're intentionally looking at how do I make sure it's interoperable now. Periodically, we pull together and we run these DOD data summits where we not just include the MILDAPs, but we bring in the combatant commands, our coalition partners, et cetera, so that we're thinking not just about what's in the room, but really what's happened. And how I ask my team is I say, who are your data customers? When we first stood up, we stood up an innovation lab out of Andrews Air Force Base. And I would say the first 50 plus use cases, you immediately knew who, what were your top 10 data sets. So how do you make them the highest quality and make them available and actionable to moving forward? So when you start looking at all the data that you have, if you can prioritize it very quickly, if it's important to our department, we found out very quickly that our other colleagues in our ecosystem needed it too. When we look at the data community, the soft skills are as important as the technical skills because I like to say data and AI are team sports. We all have to get along, we're all on the same team. And so it's really about how do we do that interoperability now. And it's gotta be built in your business process and at the speed of mission. It's funny to look back at how recently CDOs as a, a going concern have been in government. It's not that long ago that Congress did pass the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act, making CDOs a requirement across government. And yet here we are talking about this whole scope of issues here. You guys are, as far as the C-suite in government, kind of the new kids on the block here. Just to level set a little bit, can you tell me a little bit about milestone-wise, what some of the accomplishments you look back on with a sense of accomplishment that, wow, we really overcame this hurdle. Um, and you know, to look in the not so distant future here, in that short-term future, what are the kind of the other milestones for yourselves as CDOs? What do you see over the horizon as some of those big milestones? I think that one of our biggest challenges is culture change and how do you measure it? Because it's one of those things that I think is challenging. So one of the pieces that I look at, how do I measure culture change? My staff is what we call total force, military, civilian, active guard reserve. I have had all of them in my organization at various periods of time. And I think that when I look at the journey of startup to now chief data and AI office, I think one of the things I'm most proud of of my team is that my military are getting selected for promotion. My military are getting selected for command. Many of them took, I'm gonna say a risk in a very traditional career to take a position that's very non-traditional in the government space. As a civilian, I don't get to sit on their promotion boards. So when other senior leaders, general officers are selecting these data leaders at tactical to mid-grade level, for promotion, I think that's one of my first indications of real culture change in an organization because they see value in these skills that these airmen and guardian are bringing to the table. And so I think what am I most proud of? You know, going from startup to where we are today, it's the fact that my amazing airmen and guardians that are working so hard are actually 
being valued in our ecosystem. And I think that's pretty awesome. Oliver, over to you. What, what do you look back on as some of the things that have really moved the needle? Yeah. Uh, so I started in March of last year. So I've been job about a year and a half or so. I think the thing I'm most proud of, especially at their data governance board, and that's organization that we lead is my predecessors did a a fantastic job standing up that body, worked really hard. But the agenda for that data governance board was largely the initial strategic action plan that came from OMB. And I think a lot of the work was work that had to be done because it was being required externally. One of the things I'm most proud of is I think the data governance board arriving at its own action plan based on an understanding of the organization's own needs of what's going to drive the organization forward and best meet the mission needs of the organization. So I'm kind of, I, I'm most proud of moving from a, a compliance driven approach to a more proactive strategic approach. I view my job as there's like value of data or value derived from data over time. And before I arrived, or before there was any CDO, there is a tremendous amount of value being created at Commerce, right? That I'm tremendously proud of, but I certainly can't take any credit for. And I think the job of an enterprise CDO and an enterprise data governance board is to try to bend that curve upward to make it more of an exponential curve rather than a linear curve. And there are three plays that we employ to bend that curve upward. One is to move from a more siloed approach to a coordinated approach. So this work we did in our metrics working group, I think is a good example of that. Like how can we work collectively in a coordinated way to figure out how we can use our incredible statistical assets to create better intelligence for major grant programs, right? The other play is to move from a data system that's around uh, bespoke use cases to one that's more standardized for interoperability. And this work we're doing in that AI uh, and open data government assets working group is very much akin to that. So how can we adopt modern uh, web-based data publishing standards that allow interoperability with those data with other data from around the internet and, uh, and across uh, the public and private spheres. And then the third play is to move from uh, manual processes to automated processes. And we have a pilot underway using some modern data mesh facilitating technologies to, to automate reporting and data sharing or data pipelines. So I, I'm, I'm excited. I think we have good work underway that will bend that curve upward and we're arriving at those plays because we think it's a good idea, not because it's being externally imposed. Has there <coughs> been a government-wide survey about the different legislative restrictions on how many data sets and how are those restrictions affecting public utility? Uh, I think this kind of goes back to our thread just a moment ago about data sharing, sharing data at the speed of mission across agencies. Anyone want to take that one? There are a lot of restrictions on sharing our data. The reason why you have laws and restrictions for, for protecting that data is to protect privacy. And without protecting that privacy, you lose trust with the people that you collected with. So 
yeah, there are restrictions. And I think the biggest restriction, at least at Commerce, is Title 13, which restricts sharing of census microdata. But I'm a big fan of Title 13. I think it's foundational to the American statistical system. And I'm in no mood to touch it. <laughs> I think there's also very strong restrictions on other data that we collect from uh, businesses, such as the Defense Production Act surveys that BIS administers. That is an incredibly awesome authority that they have. Awesome, not in like, you know, a tween way, but like inspires awe, right? To compel by force of law very sensitive business information from uh, every American business. And that is, in order to make that work, you, there is a social contract between the collector of that data and the provider of that data, that that data isn't just shared willy-nilly for whatever purposes, and those purposes might be very noble. So yeah, there are lots of restrictions, but I, I think that's like a lot of those restrictions are positive sludge in the Cassustian term, not burdensome red tape that creates deadweight loss. To shift gears here a little bit, it was only a week ago that we saw a pretty impactful executive order come out of the White House on AI, 100 plus pages, covers a ton of details. But I think what's really interesting about that, and of course, Eileen, you have the title of Chief Data Officer and Chief AI Officer over at the Department of the Air Force. But I was really struck by, you know, of course, this is something that the Air Force has been mindful of for a while, DOD has been mindful of, DOD has been trying to be AI ready by 2025, AI competitive by 2027. So this has been on the, the calendar for a while here. Now that we've seen this executive order have all these deliverables, what's front of mind for you in terms of implementation? What are those next steps that really need to be done? It's really about bringing that operational perspective under the umbrella of Responsible AI, DOD has published their Responsible AI tenants. So, um, and we see some of those questions embedded in this new executive order. Um, there's topics like working with industry to make sure that we have the transparency we need with these algorithms. That was Eileen Vadreen. She's the Chief Data and AI Officer at the Department of the Air Force. I'm Jory Heckman, and thanks for listening to this episode of All About Data. Thanks for listening to All About Data on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your favorite podcast app. Search for All About Data on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows.